Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and the Voice of Prophecy speaker, H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. surges roll on my tempest-driven soul. I am peaceful for I know, while though the winds may blow, I've an anchor safe and sure, and in Christ I shall endure, and it holds my small and frail, I shall never, never fail, for my ankles hold, my ankles Troubles almost whelm the soul, griefs like billows seek to lure astray. Storms obscure the light of day, but in Christ I can be bold. I've an anchor that shall hold, and it holds my shall never, never fail, for my ankles, my ankles. Father in heaven, we seek thy blessing upon this broadcast and upon every one who listens, wherever they may be. Remember our hearers in India, in Africa, in Europe, in Australia, New Zealand, all over America, the islands of the sea. And Father in heaven, 
draw us nearer to the cross today in Christ's name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, Sent from the heart of God. Hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God. Bob Edwards, first tenor of the King's Heralds, takes the solo part now in a musical setting by Roberts of this biblical injunction, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Turn unto the Lord, and he will have mercy. 
Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, How Salvation Began. I think it was Bishop W.F. McDowell who said that he would not go across the street to give India new theology because India already has more theology than she can take care of or understand. He would not cross the street to give China a new code of ethics because the code they already have is better than the life they live. He would not go to any effort whatever to give Japan a new religious literature because they already have a better literature than their religious life. But, he said, if it should please God, he would go across every street on earth and around the world again and again to give India, China, Japan, Africa, and all the rest of the world the message that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. We endorse that attitude. So you see where we stand on this subject of salvation. And that's right where the Apostle John stood when he said, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. Yes, we are just that old-fashioned here at the Voice of Prophecy. By God's grace, we proclaim a blood-bought salvation. We believe that Christian preachers should not only preach Christ, but should preach Christ crucified, as did the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 1, 23. But how did salvation begin? For we know it was ready when the first man sinned. Salvation was no afterthought on the part of God. He made no provision for something that he did not know was coming. Sin, we are told, is the transgression of God's law. 1 John 3, verse 4. And the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. Right there in the Garden of Eden, the whole population of the earth fell into sin. That is, the first two and only people in existence at the time. And to them was the gospel preached by God himself. Just think of it. The first sinners had the first gospel preached to them. And strange to say, this sermon was really the sentence pronounced upon Satan in the garden. The Lord said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 3.15 This sentence uttered in the hearing of our first parents, was to them a promise. It foretold the age-long conflict between man and Satan. It declared that the power of the terrible adversary would at last be broken. The seed of the woman here pro promised is, of course, Jesus Christ, who not only came to fulfill his part in the plan of salvation, but was the man of salvation. The first man, Adam, had failed surrendered to the adversary. Jesus came and took upon himself humanity and became the second Adam of the world. He gave his life an atoning sacrifice upon the cross that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. During the thousands of years from the time of Adam and Eve until Jesus died upon the cross, it was just as certain that he would die for men as though he had already done so. 
He had been promised as the deliverer. Every sacrifice of bleeding lambs pointed forward to him as the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. God, the apostle says, foresees the future and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Romans 4, 17. So those who lived before the cross looked forward to a coming Christ. And we who live after the cross look forward to the Christ who has come and who will come again. Someone has said that the only difference between the atonement as set forth in the Old Testament and that presented in the New Testament is that in the Old, the sheep died for the shepherd. In the New Testament, the shepherd died for the sheep. The fact is that both the bleeding lamb on the altar of sacrifice in Old Testament days and the high priest in the temple were symbolic of the work of our Savior. When the jailer at Philippi heard that midnight sermon, as recorded in the 16th chapter of Acts, he asked life's greatest question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's important for us to notice that in his answer, the apostle did not tell him that there were several different ways in which he could be saved. He pointed to one way, and one way only, and said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Jesus Christ as our substitute, our sacrifice, made atonement for us upon the cross. It is in this that we must believe, as did the jailer of old. This all comes through God's grace, and through his grace alone, as the same apostle tells us in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. There are some Christians who seem to think that they can be saved by keeping the commandments. They speak of their good life, their morality, their works of mercy. The apostle tells us plainly and positively in Galatians 2.16 that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. There's nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments, for we read that the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. That's Romans seven twelve. Every one of God's commandments is just as binding today as it ever was. But the point is that Christians cannot save themselves. No man can save himself or earn his salvation by keeping the Ten Commandments. He must trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation. Let us read 2 Corinthians five twenty one. For he, that is God, made him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There are some Christians who go to the other extreme and say that since no man can be justified by keeping the Ten Commandments, and since salvation is only by grace, the Christian is under no obligation whatever to observe the Ten Commandments. We should never forget that the grace of God that bringeth salvation, Titus 2.11, does not release us from the obligation of obedience. No one can be saved by the works of the law, but everyone who is truly saved by grace will find that the very righteousness of that same law is fulfilled in him who walks not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 8.1 There are two perils which we must avoid, legalism on the one hand and antinomianism, that's a long word, or antilawism on the other. 
the Apostle Paul sets forth this great truth in Romans 3.20, Romans 5.1, and other texts. He says, By the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in God's sight. How then are we justified? The next text answers, Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 But does justification by faith make void God's law? Listen to the third text, Romans 3.21 or 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Some religious teachers seem to feel that faith makes God's law void, but let the apostle answer. He says, God forbid. And if God forbids it, we can forbid it too. The other day, someone came to a young friend of mine who was attending college and said abruptly, How do you know that God loves us? What makes you think that he loves me? Well, of course, the answer to that doesn't take any theology. One doesn't need to have a degree from a seminary to answer that question. Just take a look at Calvary and see Jesus hanging there upon the cross. And that's the answer. It's all summed up in the one text. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's our privilege to see Jesus by faith upon the cross, to accept him as our Savior, 
And so we can enter into this salvation by faith right now because we trust him, though we have never actually seen him. Here are the words of the Apostle Peter. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, or the object of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. 1 Peter 1, 8. Are you happy, friend, in your salvation? It's your privilege to be. The very object of your faith is the salvation of your soul. And this salvation through grace is found through all the writings of the prophets of the Old Testament, as well as in the words of Jesus and the apostles in the New. We find that in 1 Peter 1.10. Think of it, the Old Testament prophets prophesying of salvation by grace. And what were they talking about? What were they searching in their own writings? We read in verse 11 that they were searching what the Spirit of Christ had said beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So we see that salvation began right in the Garden of Eden where the first sinners found it in God's promise. Abel showed his faith by offering the bleeding lamb in sacrifice down to the ages patriarchs and prophets proclaimed salvation, searched their own writings to see what the Spirit of Christ revealed concerning it. So by faith they saw the sufferings of Christ. They saw the shadow of a cross arise upon a lonely hill. They heard the despairing cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They knew that he, the sinless one, was to be treated as we sinners deserve, that we might be treated as he deserves. They looked forward to the glory that should follow, his second coming and his eternal kingdom. Let us be happy in the salvation revealed in Eden, proclaimed by the prophets in the holy sanctuary service, preached by the Lord Jesus and the holy apostles and by the reformers and the people of God through all the ages, and now comes to its mighty climax just before the second coming of Christ, which brings the day of victory. No wonder blind Fanny Crosby sang so sweetly, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. I know I shall see in his beauty the king in whose law I delight, who lovingly guardeth my footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. And soon she and all the children of God, you and me and all who trust him, will sing a glad new song when the morning dawns and the shadows flee away. song I love to sing since I have been redeemed of my Redeemer, Savior, King, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, since I have been redeemed, I will glory in his name. Since I have been redeemed, I will glory in my Savior's 
Jesus wants to be our best friend, so then let us look up to him, ever going forward in faith. Have faith in God and Christ, the Son of Man. Have faith in God to meet the sinner's ban. Have faith in God for his salvation plan. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We hope you'll remember that every Thursday is prayer day at the Voice of Prophecy. And in the homes of our friends around the world, a worldwide circle of prayer every Thursday. Be with us again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. And now we say, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.